If you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Luke, Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13. And you know what? Tonight we're actually going to finish this chapter. Woohoo, amazing, yeah. Uh, we've been taking our time going through this gospel, um, but it's been really good, really uh, deep to me and speaking really deep to my heart. And I hope it has for you as we study God's word. And thank you guys for coming tonight. Thank you, everyone. Online too. And um, let's uh, get into the word now that we had just a great time of being with Jesus and He's just opened our hearts up to Him. So uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you again for tonight. And we do thank you that we're here with you, Lord, and that we're able, God, to connect even online to seek you. And, and God, I know sometimes there's problems with the stream, and I just pray, God, that you'd keep things flowing, God, especially as we seek you and as we're in your word. So I ask for your touch by your Holy Spirit. I ask that you would bless your word, and God, may it just speak deep into our hearts. And Lord, may we really feel your heart tonight. So I ask God for your anointing by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. At the border checkpoint of Israel and the Gaza Strip, the Israeli Border Authority uses something that they call the avian heartbeat detector. And it's used to detect the presence of suspected like terrorists hiding in vehicles going through the border and it's really interesting they have these special sensors and they're connected to a computer i think i saw some pictures they actually attach it to the vehicle that they're checking and and then the leads are connected to a computer that takes readings and analyzes the signals to find any hidden persons like in one minute well how how do they find that well it finds the shock wave generated by the beating heart that is transmitted through the contact that this person may be hiding in the vehicle um, you know through the surface of the body and the body of, of the vehicle here they say the technology has been proven to be 100 percent effective and in detecting a human presence hidden in vehicles i thought that was super interesting you know the technology that they have to all the way to detect the heartbeat of someone hiding out there well as we return to our study in the book of luke we actually get a reading so to speak from the heartbeat of god and you know what we find tonight at that it's breaking for the people of Israel. We see his heart breaking. So tonight, we see the heavy heart of God. And that's the title of our message, The Heavy Heart of God. Now, we're going to be studying here Luke chapter 13 from verse 31 through 35. As I mentioned, finally finishing off this chapter and just taking this small section here. But it, it's really good. I wanted, I separated it out from last week because I just thought it'd be really good to, to get a peek into God's heart and, and to see what it's beating for. So the heavy heart of God. And we finish up in verse 30. So we're going to look at verse 31 through 35. Now, we're going to see three things about the heavy heart of God. And first of all, the heavy heart of God is broken, but not deterred. Secondly, his heart is broken by the rejection. And thirdly, 
His heart is broken over the consequences. So that's really what we're going to see. It's, our, our, it's integrated into our points. This is the points we're going to see too. So let's begin with number one. The heavy heart of God is broken but not deterred. Broken but not deterred. Now here we're going to be reading and taking a look at verses 31 through 33. If you guys are taking notes. But first of all, let's take a look at the first two verses of our passage tonight, beginning at verse 31. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Verse 32, And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. So let's stop there for now. We begin with how the Pharisees now, they come up to Jesus at that very hour. Well, what hour is this? Well, when he was teaching. And as we saw last week, he was teaching about our title as the kingdom certainties, the things that are going to for sure come to pass. And we learned last week that many in Israel who think they know God really don't know God and will be lost in their sin in the end. And that's a kingdom reality. And Jesus is really trying to reach out to these Jews who feel so comfortable thinking that, oh, I'm just part of Israel, so I'm going to be saved. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Here's a kingdom certainty that you're not. And, and, and it's like in verse 27 when Jesus said, you, you know, with the parable that, hey, I don't know you, where you come from. In other words, I don't know you. And then in verse 30, our last verse last week, where the Gentiles, who the Jews thought would be last, kind of left out there, will be actually first, and the Jews will be last. So it's all a turnaround. So as he's teaching about these things, right then, as Jesus is teaching, the Pharisees come up. And I, I think we're going to see in there uh, uh, what they're going to tell Jesus at this moment. They don't like what Jesus is saying, right? I mean, he was saying some real hard things. So they're, they have been listening in. So they come up. They come up to Jesus and basically say, hey, you better get away from here. You better go run and hide. See, I, I think they came up to scare Jesus away they came to scare jesus saying you know that same one herod who killed john john the baptist right he wants to kill you too that's the basic idea here what why are these guys suddenly right it seems like they have this concern for jesus well i think as i mentioned they're here to scare jesus away scare him into leaving this this area perhaps this is where herod is close to and, and perhaps they don't like Jesus, what he's teaching and the things they're saying. So they're, so they're just trying to just get him out of town and stop him from teaching the people and influencing the people that are listening in this way. They want to shut him down. Yeah? And so they're like, hey, hey, you better get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. So the Pharisees tried to scare, tried to manipulate Jesus to get him out of there and stop him teaching. I like uh, something about John Phillips. He put it this way. They had snubbed him, talking about Jesus, uh, sneered at him, and slandered him. 
Now they try to scare him. Do you notice the, the alliteration there of the S's? They snubbed, sneered, slandered. And now they're trying to scare him. They're, they're, they're pulling out of their pockets anything they can use to get Jesus out of there. But I like Jesus' response here, right, in uh, verse 32. Well, he told him, you know what, you go tell that fox. Now when he uses that word, he's using it in a way of saying, that Herod is this crafty guy. He's sneaky. He's a manipulator. Even sort of like the way the Pharisees are. And, and he says, you go tell that fox. You go tell that manipulator. You know, tell him what I'm doing. I'm casting out demons. I'm doing these miracles, curing people. And you know what? I'm going to keep doing that today and tomorrow. Jesus is not threatened. I'm going to just keep going, doing what I'm doing and helping people, casting out demons, curing them, I'm not going to stop here. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is set on his mission today and tomorrow. And then notice he says, and then on the third day, what's he talking about? It's when he rises again from the dead, right? Well, that's when his mission will be accomplished, when it will be finally done and he goes in a sense to heaven and he would have fulfilled this purpose. So he says, today, tomorrow, and on the third day, hey, I'm going to keep going, but on the third day, that's when I'll be done. So we see Jesus will not be deterred by Herod or anything the Pharisees might say. Jesus will stay the course. It makes me think about John 13 and verse 1 at the end. It says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, all the way to the finish. Or in Hebrews 12 too, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured it all. He went all the way to the finish line. He went all the way to the end. Well, it not that good? I mean, I'm glad. I'm so glad Jesus did not listen to the Pharisees, right? I'm so glad that, that um, he fulfilled all that the Father wanted them to do. For if he didn't go all the way, if he didn't go all the way to Jerusalem, if he didn't um, go and have died during the Passover, if he didn't die as the Passover lamb, if he did not die on a cross, I would not be saved today. We would not be saved today. And I'm so glad he went the distance all the way. And what the Pharisees were saying didn't faze him at all. So then verse 33, look, he adds this, Nevertheless, I must go on my way today, and tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. So then Jesus adds this, nevertheless, he says, nevertheless, in other words, no matter what, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. Either way, I'm, I'm on this mission. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to keep heading there today and tomorrow. I'm going to keep going. And the following day, my mind is set. For you know what? This is where I will die in Jerusalem. Remember, he, he's heading toward that way now. He knows what's up ahead, right? Nothing's going to stop him. Not, nothing's going to deter him. Not the threat of Herod or not the thought that he's going to die in Jerusalem. No. He says, I'm going to keep heading there today, tomorrow, and the following day. I'm going. My mind is set. For it's there in Jerusalem I will die. For it wouldn't do for a prophet of God 
to perish or be killed in any other place than Jerusalem. That's what he's saying here in verse 33. And, and sadly, what he's saying is most of the Old Testament prophets were killed by their fellow Jews right there in that city. So you can see this broken heart of God. You can see how Jesus is just mentioning how, how many prophets that God had sent there, but they were killed by the very people God had sent them to reach. I believe that these words were meant to put a little sting yeah, in the heart of the, these Pharisees, to open our eyes that what they're planning to do underneath, what they're plotting, what they're trying to do to get rid of Jesus is doing the same thing that these prophets that, that happened to these prophets in the Old Testament. Kings, religious leaders, they, they, they have a history of rejecting God's prophets. And Jesus is saying, you know, it's going to continue. It's going to ha- happen here in the biggest reject- rejection of all, rejecting the Messiah, the one they're supposed to be longing for. They're going to end up murdering, basically, killing, betraying, putting him on the cross. They will do what was done in the past. Remember when King uh, Manasseh, uh, is, uh, the king of Israel, killed Isaiah. Tradition says he was sawn in two. That's how he died. Zechariah was stoned to death when God had him call the people to repent of the idols. The, the idols they're going after and forsaking the temple. Uriah the prophet was struck down with a sword by King Jehoiakim because he spoke like the prophet Jeremiah. He didn't like that. Elijah cried to God in 1 Kings 19.10 saying this, The people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So how sad it is that in the Old Testament we see this history of Israel, the kings and the people there, they kill the prophets there in Jerusalem. Israel does not have a very good track record here, yeah, when it comes to God's prophets. And so it will be, Jesus is saying, with the Messiah. So knowing this, Jesus says, you know what, my mind is set. I have my mission. He still heads toward Jerusalem. And here's, here's the point I want you to see. His heart may be broken, but not deterred. Jesus will not waver from the mission to save. Though the Pharisees come, try and deter him, get him out, think about saving his own life. Jesus says, no, not today, not tomorrow, not the following day. I'm sticking to my mission. And I'm heading to Jerusalem, to the place where prophets die, and so will I. His heart may be broken over what these people have done to prophets, but it's not deterred. Jesus will not waver from the mission to save. I like that. Now I was reading um, in 1967, this lady named Libby and her boyfriend, uh, they were in their 20s, I believe, and they gave their lives to Jesus. After that, for 30 years, they served in Afghanistan, providing like vision care for the people of Kabul. 
In August of 2010, right after conducting a two-week medical camp in a remote valley northwest of Afghanistan, Tom, the husband, and his medical team were ambushed and killed. When receiving the Presidential Medal of Freedom for her husband, Libby said this, Although Tom was killed in 2010, he had already surrendered his life to God's good purposes way back in 1967. I love that. I love that heart. It was back then when it all started. It was back then when he, he surrendered. It was back then that he took that mission and kept going. This man submitted to his Lord and kept to that mission given by God. And that's what we see Jesus saying. And what an inspiration for us. What an inspiration for you and I tonight, for you online, you know, to, to, to keep going no matter what, no matter what, whatever the threats are, yeah? No matter what someone may say to you, no matter the situations that try and paralyze that, the, our feet from being on that mission and path that God has given us, we are not to give in to that fear. We are to stay the course. And that's even with a broken heart. I was thinking, wow, that, that is so hard sometimes. Yeah? I mean, here Jesus knows that the same thing is going to happen to him that, that has happened to these prophets, these beloved prophets that God had sent. And Jesus too. And, and I, that's just breaking his heart. But that's not going to deter him. I don't know, sometimes things will happen to me and I think, oh, forget it. Yeah, forget it. Things happen in the church or, or, or someone says something or some, you know, some stuff is going on in church. Sometimes I feel like I give up. I give up, Lord. I remember years and years ago when I was on staff in um, on the Calvary in California, I remember going through some really difficult times and I was thinking, you know what, God, I like quit. <laughs> you know, it, it'd be more easier. Just go work McDonald's or whatever, you know, you know. But sometimes dealing with people is a hard thing. And look at Jesus. Look at these Pharisees. Look at the nation that he came, yeah, to love and to, to came and teach and to share God's word. And, and he knows what's going to happen. They're going to be standing there, right, in front of Pilate when Jesus is, is standing there before the people. And they're going to be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Yet, Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to keep to this mission. Even broken, a broken heart, he's not going to be deterred at all. And that's what we got to do. We got to trust God for, for what he has in the future for us, that we, we put our life in his hands, that he has purposes he's given us. He has a mission he's given us. And, and we got to keep on that. We got to have faith, not fear. And we got to conquer that fear with faith this is jesus he knows who god god is the father has brought him to so he's going to keep going no matter how hard no matter even with a heavy heart broken but not deterred let's go to number two now this heavy heart of god is broken by the rejection broken by the rejection verse 34 in this section now, listen to this as we read it. Listen to Jesus. Remember, Jesus is saying this in verse 34. 
O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Now to read this, just just think about Jesus saying this. I mean, think about if we could be transported there and and kind of be in that crowd and and hear his voice. Actually, we get a clue because Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He says this twice. And in saying this twice, it, it, it's to hear his breaking heart here. It's not this expression of anger. It's an expression of sorrow. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, this, this famous city, this famous city, but famous for killing the prophets, the messengers of God. Now understand, Jerusalem, you know, when he cries out to Jerusalem, when he speaks of Jerusalem, that that's the city where they kill prophets. He's, Jerusalem really res- represents all of Israel, the people of Israel. And so Jesus weeps for the continual rejection. Even as God keeps reaching out to the people, they keep rejecting him. You know, I was thinking over in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus told this parable, right, about a vineyard owner, this master who, who leased it to these tenants and, and, went, and, and, and he, he went away. And when, he, 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 uh, when the time came for the harvest, he sent his servants to go and obtain the fruit from the tenants who were taking care of the land for him, the vineyard for him. And in this parable, Jesus says, the, the master sends a servant, but one was beaten, others were killed, and another was stoned to death. And then he says in this parable, the, the, the owner decides, you know what, I'm going to send my son. And, and thinking that, you know, they're going to respect him, but what did they do? No, they conspired together, they, they, they threw him out of the vineyard, and then they killed him out there. Why do you tell that parable? Well, exactly what we're talking about here is a picture of what the Jewish leaders in the nation will do to Jesus. I mean, if you think about in that parable, they took him out of the vineyard and and killed him. Jesus died on the cross outside, right outside the city gates of Jerusalem. Jesus knew all of this, of what Jerusalem, what Israel would do, so he weeps for Israel. So Jesus shows his heavy heart for Israel being broken by the rejection. That's his heavy heart. That's what we're hearing in, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, you killed the prophets. Stones, those are sent to you. God has sent them to you. We've been trying to reach you, Jesus is saying. And he shows his heavy heart being broken by the rejection. I was thinking about that. Rejection, it's hard, yeah? I mean, have you ever felt rejected? Yeah? Rejection can, can really hit your heart and go deep and move your emotions. I remember feeling that rejection, that kind of rejection when, when I, was, I was a small kid in elementary school. And, and I, I, maybe you guys don't have an experience, but me, I remember being the last person to be picked on the team. Remember back then, you pick team captains and they pick, you know, 
the, the team, right? I don't know if they do that anymore because it's so hard. <laughs> I think it's not politically right no more. But, um, oh, I remember feeling so rejected, you know, in that way. I was thinking, too, I remember the hurt of rejection when you, when you, when you break up, you know. I remember I, I, I broke up with a, a girlfriend in high school. It wasn't Kristen. We ended up getting married. But uh, before that, my girlfriend in high school broke up. You know why she broke up with me? Because she didn't like, I believed in the rapture of the church. I was going to Calvary Chapel and on. But still, breaking up, right? It's so hard. You, you feel rejected, right, in that way. I remember feeling a rejection through, how about teasing and name-calling, just because you look different. Or you're not part of the group, yeah? I mean, it's hard, yeah? Junior high, sometimes high school, that whole age and everything. And re- rejection is so hard. It cuts so deep, doesn't it? I mean, we can relate to those things. Well, then think about what Jesus is feeling right now. Think about that. Think about how it's cutting his heart. Right? Think about how what God has felt when we reject His Word. When we when He tells us something, He gives us His Word, but we're like, ah, oh, nah, right? And we rebel against that. Think about that when 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 God sends His messenger. Maybe maybe it's a pastor speaking in church. Maybe it, it's it's something you hear a study on the radio. God sends a messenger, yet we're like, ah, right? I'm going to ignore that. I don't want to do that. Or it goes through one year or not, or you turn it off. Oh, I'm not going back there anymore. I don't like that. Think about how he feels. God sends us messengers in many ways. It could be a song in the radio. Many times it's my spouse, I know. (laughs) Someone in your family, your parents, maybe, a friend. Sometimes I hear God's voice, even through my kids. Yeah. Can you hear God's heavy heart right now? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I've sent you messengers. I've sent you messages. I showed you in my word. I, I've been speaking to you. The Holy Spirit has been my messenger, but you kept pushing it away. And I could hear Jesus, his voice saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Think about it this way. Put your name in that place. It's like Jesus saying, Oh, Rick, Rick. With that broken heart of rejection. And then Jesus says this in verse 34. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Jesus cries out, how many times have have I wanted to bring you guys together to, to care for you, to protect you like a hen who gathers the chicks under her. Jesus just, God has been longing to gather the people, to, to protect them, to love on them. 
It's like we've seen that, right? We see these chickens and little chicks all around, and they they run to the mother hen, yeah, um, um, to uh, you know be protected. And sometimes the hen will just sit and spread out her wings, and you don't see them anymore. Have you seen that, right? You know, and and they run to the mother hen. You know, when you scare them. No, I don't do that. No, no, I haven't. <laughs> but how sad, Jesus. How many times I've longed for that. I wanted you to come. But you were not willing. Oh, you can hear his breaking heart, can't you? Just in these words right here in verse 34, it's just, it's, you can see how Jesus is sad. At this moment, Jesus is moved so deeply and we see him revealing that heartbeat for the people. I think about Ephesians 4.30. Matter of fact, turn to the right. Turn over to Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30. When I was really meditating on this, it, 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 I, it made me think about Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, Paul wrote, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And I thought about that. popped in my mind about, wow, we can grieve the Holy Spirit also. We can break His heart when we go against the leading of the Spirit. Think about this. Think about Jesus and his perspective here. At this moment, you could go back to Luke 13 here in verse 34. Think about, he, he's, he's looking at Israel. He's looking at the nation. I mean, the nation has been given a great privilege, right? God had chosen them to be his people out of all the nations, out of all the people groups. He, he gave them this great opportunity. He blessed them to be that chosen, to be God's light in the world. They're, they were given the word of God, right? The, the law and the commandments through Moses to be able to bring that and share that in the world. They were protected and preserved, right, in the wilderness journeys. And throughout the centuries, God himself was there helping them. When they got in trouble and they repented, like in Judges, and, and, and well, we need help. God would bring them a, a, a leader, a judge, to, to rescue them. And right at this moment, moment, they were the ones to whom the Messiah came to. Israel, the Jews. Yet, here's Jesus. We're here. I'm here. God is here. Yet, you are not willing to be cared for by the Lord. How sad. So you can feel his heart here. So Jesus reveals that it's not because God didn't love Israel, but that Israel was not willing to receive his Love. You see what he's saying here? Sometimes it's us, right? Sometimes it's on our side, right? God is there, but sometimes we're the resistant ones. The other day I was um, carrying our granddaughter, Janelle. I mean, I said Janelle. <laughs> Riley. 
I was carrying Riley. But it made me think of Janea. I don't know. I look at Riley, a little girl. All of a sudden, I, we see Janea. We were talking the other day. She, she came over with little pigtails. And it was like, oh, that was like how, you know, Kristen would, would, would do a, a Janea's hair. And, um, and, and I was carrying her. And then I was carrying a Riley, and I was thinking, all of a sudden it popped in my mind. Do you remember when um, Janea, when she was a small baby, I don't know why, but she would stick her arm out like this and her hand out. And, and I don't know why, but, you know, you're like trying to carry her, and this hand and this arm is like in your face. And I don't, I don't think she knew what she was doing. She, she was just, a, it was a baby thing, but, you know, it was kind of like this thing in your face. And you kind of had to reposition her so the arms were over here or, or on, put her on the other side. So it's sticking out. But it's like this straight arm and this hand sticking out. Now, now it didn't bother me because she was just little Janelle. But, you know, I was thinking about that. That's like us sometimes. That's Israel here, right? God comes to hug Israel, and she's like this. Straight army with a hand out. Unwilling to come to God for help. Pushing him away. Is that you tonight? Is that you? Maybe you connect online and you're hearing this. Are you sticking your arm out to God being... Uh, no, no, God, no, no. I know, yeah, I know what you're thinking. I know you're saying, no, I would never do that. No, not, not to Jesus. No way, I would never do that to the Lord. But you know what you do when you reject God's word and you continue to do what you want. And that, that's the key thing. When we're not listening to God. When, when, when we sit there thinking, I know, I know better. But we don't, right? Proverbs 3, 7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know what it means to be wise in your own eyes? It means to think you know best, better than God. It means to, to not listen to those who sends your way. It means to be, oh, I'm, it means being, you're like being self-reliant. It means, it means when you're uncooperative with God, when you're focused on you, when you're not open to receive from others. Does that describe you? That's putting your hand out and straight arming God. We're not willing to receive that love. Because we think we know, but we really don't know. That's the heavy heart of God, broken by the rejection. Well, let's go to number three. The heavy heart of God is broken over the consequences. The consequences. Our last verse here tonight, and last verse in the chapter. Jesus then says this, Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So with verse 35, Jesus really brings another kingdom certainty, we can say, kind of attached to last week's message. And it's about the Jewish nation again. Jesus begins by saying, Behold. In other words, this is the truth. You, got, you better listen to this. You better put attention on this. Behold, you guys, your house is forsaken. And when he says that, the house speaks of the nation of Israel, 
the, the people of Israel who supposedly is the children of God. But your house, you guys, is forsaken. He's, since Israel is forsaking God, God will depart from Israel. So the consequences of the rejection is he'll bring an end, really, to their religious life, to, to basically their connection to God. We know that I mentioned to you many times and even on Sundays as we're studying Revelation that in 70 AD, about you know, a little over or, or less than 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the temple there and Jesus' time was destroyed by the Romans. And when that temple was destroyed, their way of life was gone. No more sacrifices. No more going to the temple to worship. No more feasts. Yeah? No need for priests to do that function. What was central to their religious life and their customs and traditions was gone. I think that's what God was doing. Hey, you're going to be forsaken. Think about it this way. The temple represented God's dwelling place on earth. And that's where the Jews went to have this relationship with God. But their rejection brings the consequence, which is the end of the temple, the end of that relationship with God. How sad is that? How sad? And so Jesus says at the end of verse 35, in their blindness, Jesus says, I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a quote from Psalm 118.26, and it speaks of the day when Israel will recognize Jesus as being their Messiah. Now, some people did use these words in the triumphant entry when he went into Jerusalem for that last time, and we're going to see that in chapter 19. But what Jesus is saying is really speaking of the whole nation, all of Israel, coming to the place where they all recognize he is the Messiah. We had rejected him, but, but Jesus is the Messiah. And when's that? At the second coming, right, of Jesus. In the end, the nation will see Jesus as who he really is. In Zechariah 12.10, it says, And I will pour out on the house of David and inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and please for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. I, I mentioned that the other week on Sunday. The same verse. They are going to come to this place. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Your house is going to be forsaken. And I'll tell you, you're not going to really see me. You're not going to really recognize me as the Messiah until you say these words. And that's going to be at the end. And what Jesus knows is between now and then, they're going to go through a lot of things. So Jesus' heart is heavy and broken over the consequences of what Israel will go through. So even in this, his heart is breaking, knowing the result, the consequences of the rejection. Years ago, um, um, we're out witnessing and handing out um, 
some uh, food and different things. One day we found a homeless man, and he was around that area behind the old Safeway. And we, and he was sitting there. He had found a plug out, uh, out a plug outside this building there, and and he was actually giving himself a haircut. And he was trying to clean himself up. So we went up to him and started talking story. And he told us that he, has given, he had just given his life to Jesus. And um, he was really, his life was turning around. And um, he, he was homeless, but um, he, was, uh, he found a place, MEO, uh, some MEO housing. And um, for him, he felt like everything was heading in the right direction. And, um, but the only thing he told us, someone has stolen his Bible. So he had some Bibles, and we gave him a Bible. Later, I, we ended up running into him in Wailuku, and he had a little place, and he 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 was in, and um, he he didn't have hardly any money or anything, but it was a place where you can kind of set up. So we ended up buying him groceries and and some utensils, cups and plates, even some cookware, so he could make food, and and then I connected him to a church right across the street, which which was actually Calvary Central. A few months later, I, I I happened to see the pastor there, and I was talking to him and asked him about this guy. And the pastor sadly said he was gone. He's 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 gone. And the last report that he's somewhere in in Lahaina side, you know, back on the street drinking again. And that just broke my heart, you know, because his life could have been so much different. And now, re, you know, turning from that, falling into the temptation, turning from Jesus, going back into that life, it only is going to bring more of the consequences that he, that he was already in, right? And God was bringing him out of. But we can do the same thing. In the same sense, we can go back to sins. After all that God has done, we still abandon Him. We still go back to our ways. Sometimes we even say, oh, we wonder what has happened to us. But almost always it's the consequences to our own choices. Is that you? Why do we keep doing that? Why do we keep, you know, we should wake up. To, we shouldn't do that. But you know what? Jesus, his heart is heavy and broken over the consequences of what you're going through. Know that tonight, just like he is with Israel. He's not sitting there condemning us, but he's loving on us. And he wants us to turn around and stop. You see, there's still hope for us God is broken up over those consequences of sin. So, you know, he's the one to go to for the solution to our deliverance. Jesus came to rescue us, right? He came to help us, to free us from our sins, to forgive us, to make a way for us. That's what he's saying to Israel. Look, I'm here. I'm here. I'm teaching you. I'm, 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 I'm trying to help you and deliver you. But you're going to go through consequences. But it doesn't mean I don't love you. I still love you. And Jesus came to rescue us. And you know, I think the biggest 
I mean, of course, he rescues us from our sin, but he's come to also rescue us from ourself, right? We, we're our biggest, you know, thing that trips us up. It's ourself. So if you're here tonight and, and you've fallen, you've sinned, you, you're in a bad place, you know, you know the consequences. And don't start thinking that, well, you know what? God's done with me now. No. His heart is broken over you. He's, his heart is breaking because you're in these consequences of what sin is has brought, but he wants to rescue you and pull you out of the mud. So the best thing you can do is run to Jesus, to cling to Jesus, and never let go of Jesus. But the thing is, if you're listening to me tonight, the thing is to do that now. Don't don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't don't put your hand out. Oh, I'll think about it. No, the best thing you can do is do it now. Don't mess around with sin because consequences will come. Take it seriously. And you better because many times the consequences can end up to be something very severe and serious. I'll close with this. One day in um, Blackpool, England, a man detected the smell of burning timber. So you know what he did? He sat down and wrote a postcard to Blackpool Fire Station to come to the house. Well, the station received the postcard 24 hours later. They thought it was a joke, but since they were not busy at the time, they went to investigate. To their surprise, they found this man's house was on fire, and now it was totally on fire. They extinguished, extinguished the flames, and it was a miracle that, that the whole place didn't totally get burnt down in that 24 hours before the fireman got there. I thought, that is so crazy. If, if she smells smoke, and you think your house is on fire, you write a postcard? Yeah. I don't know if it's an old story or something that didn't happen, but you would call, right? You would run over, you know, and, and call for help, or you would do something. But I think we do that sometimes. We don't, we don't take the issue of sin real serious. We know we should deal with it, but we reject God's messages and sometimes even go about the long way to deal with it. You know something's burning, but your reaction is slow. And no matter how many times God tries to help, you know that that's not going to work in the end. But know this, consequences will come. Know that. But know this, God is trying to save you from them. Right now, tonight, because he loves you. So receive that message. Understand God's heart for you tonight. His heart is breaking for you. And, and, and maybe that's something we need to focus on to help us get serious, to help us get to God because we don't want to do that to God's heart. We don't want to be so selfish. We don't want to do that to our Jesus who done so much for us. 
So let's stop thinking about me, myself, I, and all that. Think about how selfish sin really is and how it affects Jesus. And I hope tonight that this opens your eyes to the heavy heart of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, forgive us for our sins right now. God, I just want to echo what we're all saying right now tonight. Lord, we want to say we're sorry, and we want to say forgive us, God. Lord, we're sorry for rejecting you in many different ways, not listening to the messages that you have sent, God, turning away and putting our arm out, Lord, straight arming you, God, when you, all you've been trying to do is reach us with your love. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone out there and who's listening to my voice, God, that have not given their life to you, I pray that they would do that right now. That they would just say a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. I commit to you and give you my life. I repent and turn from my sins. So forgive me and cleanse me and help me to live for you right now. I pray your Holy Spirit will fill me, God, and that you would open my deaf ears and open my blind eyes to the love you have for me and how much you've been reaching out to me. So Jesus, forgive me now as I give my heart to you in your name. Lord, I pray for anyone who may have prayed that prayer, God, and that you would assure them of salvation right now, that your spirit would surely come and fill them. Pray for anyone here tonight, God, that been struggling, Lord, but that been going through situations and things, God, that have been drawing them away from you, Lord, that tonight would be the time to come back to you, Lord. Lord, I pray for anyone here who's been discouraged and depressed and perhaps the situation or because of a situation or or because of fear been stepped off the the mission the path you set them on lord i pray that they would get back to that and and be willing to do all that you want lord i pray god that you will help us all lord to be surrendered and submitted to your spirit, not grieve the spirit anymore, not walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. So God, help us tonight. We're sorry for idols maybe in our lives. We're sorry for even making our relationship with you a religion. God, let it be from our heart, God, tonight, to want to be with you, to want to to seek you and hear from you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, come now. Renew us. Set a fire in our heart, God. Refresh us and give us a new start in you tonight. So I pray as we close, God, with this last song that your Holy Spirit 
but come and fill us now. In Jesus' name, amen.